There we go. We got the buttons pushed. Hopefully the right the stream is live. I think we're good. Yes, absolutely. All right, perfect. Hello, everybody. Sorry for the glitchy start there. Welcome to the Boca Photography Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz. It's good to have you here. Happy Friday to you. For those of you that are live streaming, please don't be shy. Join in the conversation. Uh, you can ask questions, comment. This is, I'm going to nerd out a little bit today because this topic that we're getting into with our brand new guest who I'll introduce in just a second uh, is one that honestly so much of the Boca Podcast is about. It's what we're about. It's ultimately how can we help photographers save time so that while they run an effective and healthy photography business, they can also have a life as well. So we're going to get to that really important topic in just a second. Make sure to join in the conversation, ask questions, comments, and uh, comment and, and join in. Take advantage of the opportunity that, that you have with this live stream. And then for those of you that are listening to the audio version after the fact, also don't be shy. Follow us on Instagram at Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast. And uh, you can keep up to date with the upcoming live stream schedule. We post that every Monday. And uh, you can come join us for these conversations. Last thing before I introduce my guest, I want to just remind everybody, we've mentioned it a little bit here and there, but we have a photography conference for new photographers coming up January 10th and 11th uh, here in beautiful Chattanooga. It's rainy today. You can probably tell it's dark here, but uh, beautiful Chattanooga, Tennessee, January 10th and 11th. And I popped up the URL on screen. It's newbie, N-O-O-B-I-E, conference.com. And uh, you can also see this if, if you, well, for those of you that are live streaming, if you go to newbieconference.com, you can learn more about that conference. We're limiting it to 100 attendees. So there's not a lot of room. Make sure to sign up while you can. Uh, registration deadline is December 1st. So make sure and go register as soon as you possibly can. All right. I want to introduce a brand new guest on our show today here on the Boca Podcast. Tracy Kirkland is here with me. Tracy, thank you for making come, time to come do the show. We worked through the technical glitches and I think we're live. We're streaming. We're good. Yep. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Well, if you don't mind, I want to give our listeners a little bit of context too. You said you're actually streaming from a fifth wheel. You've got an interesting lifestyle that I wasn't even yes. fully aware of before we started the conversation today. Can you give a little yep. background there? So my husband is a pipeline superintendent. So okay. he travels all over the country, which is actually why I created my business the way that I did so that I can go with him as much as possible. So right now we're in East Texas. Um, okay. Two weeks ago, we were in Tennessee. Really? So Whereabouts in we Tennessee? Just, uh, we were in Bristol. Okay, cool. I, yep. Bristol, I'm thinking is maybe an hour and a half, two hours from, from Chattanooga where yeah. I'm at, not too far away. Yep. That's cool. So yep. how long have you been in this kind of moving around lifestyle? Um, we've been together for four years and okay. I've been count going with him for three and a half. So that's cool. <laughs> pretty much the entire time. So that's, a, that's a really interesting premise to our conversation today then, um, about how to create a lifestyle as photographers mm -hmm. that isn't, I guess, holding us down in front of a computer for endless mm -hmm. hours every single week. There are ways to approach it in a more efficient way, certainly. And ultimately, a more flexible way, as you're so wonderfully demonstrating. And we're going <laughs> to get into that in depth here in just a second. I'm, I'm truly excited about this. But before we do, will you just kind of briefly give our listeners a bit of a backstory with yourself, photography, and your brands as well? Mm -hmm. Yep. So first of all, I have a boudoir studio in St. Louis. It is called Boudoir by Tracy Lynn. And I shoot there two days a month. And the rest of the time, I am, yep, I'm going with Tommy just all over the country. So that, because I created a business that only needs me like 30 hours a month, I also 
created an education business because I was bored, to be honest, because I had a lot of free time <laughs> on my hand. Okay. He works 60 to 80 hours a week. Um, wow. The first year we were together, he was working like 100 hours a week. So I got really bored really quickly, and I needed something that would give me something to do, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. And I fell in love with helping photographers do the same thing, create an efficient business and give them more time um, with their families and doing what they would rather do too. That's really cool. And and again, this mm -hmm. is a topic that we spent quite a bit of time mm -hmm. here on the Boca podcast. In fact, before Boca was ever started, we, the podcast has been around for about six, was it six years now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2016 close to 600 episodes but before we did this many years ago i started a podcast called i have a life and the, the whole the goal with this brand was to do exactly what we're going to do today which is to help photographers and entrepreneurs ultimately learn how to create that freedom and flexibility in their lives as business owners when i started my company photographers edit back in 2008 my original intention with that brand was to create more freedom and flexibility for myself. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky enough to have a team around me that enabled me within three or four years of starting that company to work as little as, I mean, four hours a week. There's a book called yes. The Four Hour Work Week. Have you heard that before? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I have. I haven't read it yet. But. Yeah, well, Tim Ferriss, and I recommend it to you. Maybe I can get you a copy too. But mm -hmm. Tim Ferriss talks about how he didn't mean that literally, that we're striving <laughs> for four hour work weeks, right? It's more about just how to, what we're going to talk about today, intelligently use our time so that we then have that freedom to do whatever it is that we want with that, that, that freedom, that extra time. Yes. And exactly. I kind of took it literally. I'm a bit of a literal guy and I literally had a, a work week that was about four hours. Um, in hindsight, I wish I'd put more time into it because it would have meant my, my company had grown even more. But nonetheless, I understand what it means and what you're talking about to create a business intentionally to give you that kind of freedom and flexibility. And I want other photographers to have that same thing. When I think back to my life growing up, I loved spending time with my dad and he was really busy with work. And I wanted even more time with him. I'm like, mm -hmm. why, why does work have to take away from you know, me spending time with you? And so I took that to heart. And as I had my own kids, I wanted to create a business and a brand that gave me more flexibility so it didn't take away from my relationship with them. And so that's kind of the backstory of Boca Podcast mm -hmm. and Photographer's Edit. And that brings us to here in this conversation yeah. today. And I'm excited that we're going to get into this. I love that this is your focus at this point. And yeah. maybe just as kind of a jumping off point, um, I, I'd love to kind of get everybody's attention here. So this <laughs> on your coaching site, in fact, let me actually pull this up and we'll, we'll read it with, uh, with everybody here who is live streaming, by the way, for those of you who are live streaming, say hello, mm -hmm. don't be shy, ask questions. Uh, Sue from our uh, on YouTube is saying hello from <laughs> Sun Valley, Idaho. Thanks Sue for chiming in again. It's great to hear from you. But um, I'm going to jump over to your, your site. And for anybody listening in, um, it is Tracy Lynn, T-R-A-C-Y-L-Y-N-N, TracyLynnCoaching.com. If we go to the about section of your site, Tracy, I'm scrolling down here just a little bit. I'm going to read this paragraph to kind of get everybody's attention. Mm -hmm. You said, I wanted time to travel, focus on my relationships and the freedom to build a life beyond my work. So I left the dental world to become a photography or photographer and actually do something I enjoyed. I opened Boudoir by Tracy Lynn, and just five years later, I'd built a $1.2 million boudoir photography studio in St. Louis, working just 30 hours a month. And I'm gonna kind of let that sink in for everybody. I, I know there's a tendency, Tracy, for in our industry right now, especially with a lot of photographers in education, to throw out crazy numbers, you know, become a six-figure photographer and whatever, and, they, and it sounds great in theory, mm -hmm. But you've actually kind of proved this concept. And I'd love for yeah. you to give a little bit of backstory to that as well. So photographers understand mm -hmm. what that even means, what it looks like. 
So my degree is in dental hygiene, and I do think that it's important that I tell you a little bit about that. And I think that in some of the things we're going to talk about in a little bit, I can tell you why. But for a while, I was doing full-time photography and full-time hygiene, so mm. I had to be really, really efficient with my time, which is why I created my 30-hour work month. Okay. But in 2017, I ended up giving up my dental hygiene job, and I moved back home, and home is two hours from St. Louis. So I kept my studio in St. Louis, and I couldn't just drop everything and run to the studio like I used to do when I was living in St. Louis. I would just, whenever a client wanted to shoot, I would just run up there and shoot. So I started shooting one day a week and just being more strategic with my scheduling. And then I would just drive the two hours to the studio and shoot my sessions and then drive home and I would do ordering sessions on Zoom. Okay. Then in 2018, when I met my now husband, and like I said, he's a pipeliner and he's all over the country all the time. I wanted to go with him. So I started being even more strategic with my scheduling so that I was doing basically four days worth of sessions in two days a month. And at that point, my business was already pretty efficient. Hmm. So basically, I ended up turning it into working one week a month. <laughs> and I don't do any of my retouching. I don't do anything like... I call that busy work that as photographers, we don't necessarily have to do. Um, so I do my shooting my ordering sessions on Zoom, calling album design, ordering the albums. I ship them directly to my clients and I get all of that done in one week per month. And that's including my marketing, which is on autopilot at this point. And maybe we'll come back to this in detail. But when you talk mm -hmm. about that one week a month, is that broken up over time or is it literally packaged into one straight week? I would say I get about four days, I would say about three and a half days in one week and then about half of a day the next week because that's about how long it takes my retoucher to get my images back to me. Okay. So I do about like four hours of work the following week. Okay. First of all, it's super impressive. Um, and yeah, so that this doesn't come off like a weird sales pitch, like we see so many times in our industry these days, I I'm, mm -hmm. I'm love that we can kind of dig into this in detail and mm -hmm. actually understand what it means tangibly, right? Because again, it's mm -hmm. nice to throw fancy numbers out there. It's another yeah. thing to actually live it and to demonstrate it mm -hmm. consistently day in and day out or week in, week out, or in your case, month in and month out. <laughs> yes. um, so I, I love that we're having this conversation. Have you always been somebody who has just been good at workflow and creating that kind of structure and systems, or was it something that was learned over time? So I think my background as a dental hygienist really helps that for sure, because we have to see a lot of patients in a pretty short time. Hmm. Um, I don't know if anyone knows this, but a lot of dental offices based on commission. And so the more clients, the more patients you see, the more money you make. No, I didn't so realize that. I think not all dentists, offices are like that for sure. But the ones that I worked at were, so I wanted to see as many patients as I could in a shorter time as possible. So I always say that those years in dental hygiene taught me how to be super efficient really quickly. Um, so that's actually how I schedule my sessions on my session days is back to back to back, just like I did in dental hygiene. So I think that was just like a good intro to the way that I was going to end up working anyway. Well, at least part of the reason that I asked that is because I know a lot, if maybe not even, maybe even most photographers in our industry, mm -hmm. at least in, in the American industry, 
would probably claim to be your kind of so-called so-called artist types, right? Their structure is not the thing that mm -hmm. is super sexy to them. They 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 love the idea of being artists, focused on their craft, and the notion of organization, whether it's on their computer or in their office or yes. whatever it might be. It it just doesn't it doesn't come naturally, and mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a priority. And I think probably a lot of photographers would even say, I just I that's not quote unquote who I am. Yeah. I would venture that most things can be learned. And yeah. so that's kind of why I was curious about, about the backstory. And I know we're going to get into practical application, how photographers mm -hmm. can actually make this happen um, here in just a second. Would you say, though, that this model is relevant to not just portrait photographers, boudoir photographers, but wedding photographers as well? I think that, like, back to the thing where you said that it's it can be learned or Back to what the point that you said where not all photographers want to work that way, where they're like artists and stuff. Yeah. A lot of my coaching clients act like they start like that. But then okay. as they go, they understand that it lets them be more um, like artistic. So you keep your sessions are your sessions and this is how you do your sessions. This is how you make your money. I call them like album sales sessions. Like I'm photographing my clients to make money then I can have my artistic sessions over here. Mm. But I want to make sure that my clients are getting the same session every single time because I know that that's going to be everything that they want within an album. So I just keep those two things separate. I still want to be artistic, but I have to keep my sessions sep separate because I want to be... Um, I want to be successful. I want to make money. And I know yeah. that those other sessions are going to make money because it's been proven that they're going to make money. And I know when I'm being more artistic, I don't necessarily make as much money. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And I know that both, in fact, it's something that I've said here on the podcast before is that mm -hmm. structure and art, they're not mutually exclusive, right? You, or mm -hmm. systems and art, same thing. I think, again, photographers tend to, and I, I never really finished the story earlier, by the way, about the, it's, I have a life brand. Mm -hmm. So I started this brand and I yeah. thought, this is really important. We need to communicate this to photographers. And I probably lacked marketing experience at the time as well, like how to actually get that brand off the ground. But yeah. I think one of the things we realized too, or just kind of hit hard with was photographers don't really care. And I, that's a very general mm -hmm. blanket statement I realized, but they don't really care a whole lot about this idea of structure and systems. Mm -hmm. Ironically, they do care about having freedom, but it's the steps necessary to get to that place that tend yes. to get in the way. They're like, oh, I just don't have time for that. Or it's more sexy to think about buying a camera or going and photographing the session or playing yeah. with a Lightroom preset or going to a conference yep. and maybe getting better with photographically. But the idea of spending time on workflow and systems in some ways may seem counterintuitive. And like we said, mm -hmm. it doesn't come naturally for them. And so they yeah. don't tend to go there. Um, so I, I love that you say it can be learned. And of course that's, I, I realize the intention yeah. behind your coaching business as well. Yeah. Is that, is that something that takes a lot of time or is it just a mental shift that says, okay, you know what? I realize I can do this. I just have to put the systems in place. I think it's a, like a mindset, a mindset shift and like a, the mental shift, like you said, and in my programs and stuff, like I actually have an entire section about that because it's really seriously just a mindset issue that my like my coaching clients have because they don't want to. But as soon as they see how much time they get back, then they're all in. Um, so it's definitely just mental. It's I think like like we've said, it it can be learned. OK, I, I love yeah. that. I like that we're highlighting that, too, because we do tend to live in a culture these days where mm -hmm. people are just like this is, quote unquote, who I am. 
And then that's where yes. the conversation <laughs> ends, you know, and it's so limiting. Yes. I, I understand that we all have preferences and tendencies, mm-hmm. but when we start to realize that those preferences and tendencies come from a particular place, we can acknowledge those a, and then realize that we can shift, like you said, shift mindset. It's yeah. so empowering because it opens the world up in front of us. We don't just have right. to be one thing. So exactly. um, I, I like that. In fact, I, it's funny. I, I just uh, ordered t-shirts um, with a very <laughs> simple saying on the front of them, which is both and, you know, there's a tendency yeah. also <laughs> yes. in our culture to be like one extreme or the next. I am this thing or I am this thing. You can actually right. be both. And in, in, this, yes. in the context of this conversation, we can have both the art and yeah. the structure and as you pointed out that structure actually enables more freedom and flexibility for the artist to focus on their art i really really love that let me ask you this though too it's is there because i mentioned earlier that that when i created that workflow around photographers edit that gave me so much freedom and flexibility i kind of went to the extreme right i was working (laughs) four or five hours a week at times and while that sounds idealistic and it was um the flip side of that of that is that i realized now in hindsight that even if i had up that to 15 or 20 hours a week, right? And put that time investment in at that mm-hmm. point, what would, I'm lucky to be where I'm at now, but where, yeah. how much further would I be had I put that time and effort and energy in? The reason exactly. I bring this up is because I think there's an interesting conversation about the balance between kind of creating this, this efficiency and the freedom and the flexibility, and then maybe going to the extreme, at least the way that I did, which is maybe a bit of laziness as well. Mm-hmm. Where's the balance there? Where's the line there from your perspective? Yeah. And I think that you have to hustle in the beginning. And I always tell my clients that is like hustle at first so that you can have the freedom later. So Mm. when I first started, you know, like I was working full time as a photographer and as a hygienist, I probably was putting in 80 to 90 hours a week at that point. But it was worth it because now I only have to work 30 hours a month. Um, So so it's an investment think, up front is what you're talking yes, about then. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. And and what do you think though, even after you've got those systems in place, if, if somebody, I mean, 30 hours a month is just, it's still a mind boggling number to consider. It's, <laughs> it's wonderful. And I love that you've created yeah. that intentionally, but is it realistic to, 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 I guess, suggest that most photographers can work as little as that in a month if they want to make a full-time income? I think it is realistic, but you have to be willing to give up things like the huge time sucks like retouching or the confirmation emails. Like I have some clients that literally send their confirmation emails to their photography clients every single week. So you have to be willing to give up the things that are sucking up your time at the same time. And when you say confirmation emails, what do you mean by that? Like the confirmation emails, like once they schedule the session, they're the reminder emails. Like I just like to set up all of my workflows. Like even my clients, my um, boudoir clients, they only um, schedule their sessions online themselves. I don't do any of my Mm. scheduling. I don't do any of that. Like if I, I don't even have very many um, consults anymore. What I do is most of my clients, I say that I have a really high converting website And once they land on my website, they basically will take the steps to go ahead and schedule their session. And then once their session is scheduled, I really don't do anything until I actually meet them in person for the session. So that's a big way that I save a lot of time is I don't have to do a lot of that prep work for the client Hmm. because I've already automated that too. Okay. I see. So when you're talking about the confirmation Mm -hmm. email, your clients are manually sending those emails. You're saying that if you design the workflow and the automation, Mm -hmm. they don't even have to do that. 
no. whether it's it's registering for a session, any of the follow-up right. communication, that kind of you're automating a lot of that. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's yeah, it's all automated for sure. I I have and I've said this on the podcast before too, and I I love that you're kind of confirming it. Mm-hmm. But I've suggested that wedding photographers, having been a wedding photographer for myself for mm-hmm. over a decade, I, I can speak to the workflow and everything that's involved in it. And as much as I'm obsessed with workflow now, and even to an extent back then, I think I could have even done a better job cleaning up my work mm-hmm. week where 20 hours a week realistically was probably more than enough to do not only mm-hmm. do my job, but continue to build my, my company, right? Because it's one thing right. to have that busy work that needs to be done. Uh, even if you begin to delegate and outsource, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that, some of that work mm-hmm. to third parties or to an assistant or otherwise, mm-hmm. there's, there are things that need to be done through the week and then maybe you need to go to a networking meeting and, and meet for coffee with somebody mm-hmm. and build those relationships that drive business. But even so, I would venture that a wedding photographer and potentially a portrait photographer um, yeah. I, I guess maybe just to make our listeners feel a little bit more at ease, maybe not shooting for a 30 hour work month to start with, but let's figure out how we can yeah. cut down the work week by 30 to 50% even it, be, it might be realistic to consider that. Yep. And most of my clients, like my education clients, they don't want 30 hour work week or 30 hour work months. They want like the 15 to 20 hours. Okay. And so that's what we like what we focus on and i think and this is one of the points that we were going to talk about later but like setting the foundation up front is super important so that you know what you want your schedule to look like and then you know how many sessions that you can handle or how many weddings you can handle and then you build in the marketing and everything into that um at that point so that it's easier for you to create the work week that you want and that's what I do every single year is I make sure that I've created the work week or the work year and then I break it down to months and weeks from there okay that yeah and that signifies or suggests represents intention right which is something you were also kind of alluding to a second ago I know how much I can handle in a week or in a month and so I'm going to design my schedule and my calendar or shooting calendar accordingly I think it's so important, uh, and, and I hope I'm not kind of already or giving away the information you're about no, to share, but what it's so important to start with the kind of the bigger picture. What is it that I'm trying to accomplish as an individual? That should then trickle down to the business model that I'm creating, which should then determine even my weekly schedule, not only the yeah. shooting, but also any of the associated work to run my business. That, that should all come from a place of intention. And it's important for photographers to realize that if they don't do that, then the tendency to focus in a haphazard way where we're just reacting to anything that's happening in front of us is going to likely continue. Is that right? Yep, for sure. And that's, I definitely see that in a lot of photographers is they're not being intentional. So they're working 50, 60 hours a week because Mm. they don't know what else to do or they're second guessing their pricing or they're second guessing everything they did Mm. or have already created their marketing strategy and everything because they didn't set that foundation and they didn't be strategic and intentional with everything. So they're, they're not sure what they should do. They're just always living in like, what am I supposed to do next instead of this is what I should do. And this is why. Interesting. I, can we park here for a second? Because I'm kind of curious to pick your brain a little bit. Because I, I think this is super important to for photographers. It would be very easy for us to come along with some tips and tricks and say, here's how you can have a more efficient work week, right? But unless the kind of baseline principle understanding of how to go about that process is established, then then it just ends up being tips and tricks that they can apply or not apply. It, it really does create a, or it, it mm-hmm. requires, I should say, a mental shift. Um, especially mm-hmm. as it relates to this idea of kind of s- setting a premise. What is it that I'm trying to accomplish? So to that end, I'm curious, mm-hmm. 
maybe how you went about it or how you suggest photographers go about the process of establishing kind of that larger set of overarching goals. Like, because there are so many different options, right? As mm -hmm. photographers, I can shoot this genre or that genre of this specialty. I can work with this particular segment of the marketplace. I can use these particular Lightroom presets. I can charge this. Yeah. There's so many different options to choose from. Photographers mm -hmm. are overwhelmed, but largely because they're not thinking about it with that big picture set of goals in mm -hmm. mind. Where does a photographer start in that regard? So the first thing I always do is I say that it's easier to niche down to grow your business because then you're not going to have to worry about like all the other things, the other ways to grow your business, hmm. especially as you, if you're a boudoir photographer, I, I definitely think you have to niche down. Okay. Um, I think it's just really important. But then as far as like the foundation, I always say that there are four numbers you have to know. And if you know those four numbers, then you can set the rest of the foundation of your business. And that is how much money you want to make per year. And that's not your total revenue. I know we always say like six figures and everything, but I don't think that that is what you need to know. I think what you need to know is how much money you need to make per year. And then second is how much you want to work. Third is how many vacation, like how many days of vacation you want to take. And then fourth is how long per client do you need like how, how much time do you need per client? So those are the four numbers that you need. If you know those numbers, you'll know how many clients your schedule can handle and then how much money you need to make per client. And those are really the only two numbers you need to know. And it takes those four other numbers to get them. I love that. It's so good too. So it, it and it's so practical and you may have seen me looking down. I'm, I'm taking notes here on my notepad. So how much you need to make per year? That's to pay the mm -hmm. bills, maybe put a bit of money, yeah. ho hopefully put a, some money in the bank and savings as yeah. well. Um, how much you, how much time you want to work. And then number mm -hmm. three is how many days of vacation you want to take. And then number four, how much time does it take per client and why mm -hmm. this, and tell me if I'm, if I'm following mm -hmm. your thought process here, why this, these four elements matters because it will then determine, um, the really the price point that we can charge, which will then determine the genre and the segment of the market that we're going to go yeah. after. Is that right? Yeah, basically. And then how many clients your schedule can handle. And I think that is just as important as how much you need to make per client, because if you know how much time or how many clients you have, you know how to market to those clients. So it, it just makes it easier. It makes everything market. easier. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Like you, once you've taken the time to establish the answers to those four questions, mm -hmm. then you know exactly what it is you're doing. And it not only focuses your marketing efforts, but it focuses the time that you're spending in your business, how you're spending that. Yeah. It, it answers so many questions. And you're, you're yeah. so right that so many photographers are in a place of confusion, whether they're even cognizant of it or not, mm -hmm. because they haven't clearly established these basic elements first yeah. for themselves that can yeah. literally direct everything else. So, I mean, we could, yeah. we could literally end the podcast here and our listeners would have more than enough to now yes. go work on, but I do want to go to the next step and the next question. And that really just very simply is what are the most important principles that photographers yeah. should implement in their daily or weekly workflow that will help them bring down that number of hours per mm -hmm. work week? Well, that first, the foundation was the first thing that I wanted to talk about. For That's sure. great. Yeah. Um, the second thing was, I think that you have to have a strategic workflow for each client. So like every single client that I schedule, I know exactly where they are in my workflow at all times. Like I know if they've been sent to my retoucher, I know if I need to order their album. Like I know if they're ready for their ordering session, every person has a place in my workflow and they just move to the next place as I go. 
I don't actually use anything um, like any CRMs or anything like that. I just basically use Asana and I just move them along my schedule or along my workflow through everything. Um, the, the third thing is I think it's important to give up time wasters, which that could mean retouching. It could mean like the scheduling software that I talked about earlier, um, like sending the confirmations, the reminders, the follow-up emails, because I think a lot of photographers waste their time on busy work. So that's a big thing to me is I just don't think I'm a one woman show except for I send my photos out to a retoucher. So I didn't want to do anything that was wasting my time. So that's where the retoucher came in and then my automated um, scheduling software. Okay. And then the last thing is to plan out your marketing strategy. And the way that I plan it out is I start with the year, then the month, and then the week. Um, so over the years, I've actually automated my entire marketing uh, strategy in my boudoir business to the point that I haven't touched it in probably a year and a half, I think. Um, so even I'm big on email marketing. So even my email marketing strategy is completely um, automated. I don't touch that at all. Um, my sister does my social media and she knows how to do that. I've taught her how to do that. So that's the only thing that gets touched whatsoever. Um, but yeah, just making sure that overall you have your whole marketing strategy planned out. Um, like if you're going to run a Black Friday sale, you know that in January so that you're ready for it. Wow. Come November. Yep. So <laughs> I, it's funny. I, I say, wow. And th that's a lot. I mean, I know a lot of photographers would probably say, wow, mm -hmm. that's planning, really planning in <laughs> advance, but I, I can even relate despite again, my obsession with workflow and streamlining mm -hmm. workflow. The thing that I'm not always the best at is planning way in advance. Yeah. And yeah. um, so I, I want to come back to that. Let's actually go back. So first of all, the, mm -hmm. the foundation, as, as you said, we talked about there with those four really important mm -hmm. questions. Secondly, strategic workflow, and you're using Asana. I know there are various CRMs mm -hmm. out there. When you say strategic workflow, I, that alludes to that notion of intention, right? Yep. Yep. So I'm super strategic with it. Like I have boards on my Asana. I've tried all the other CRMs and I wanted to like them. It just didn't work from the way that I work. Um, so I've created something that works for me and this board, I can literally move my, my people along my workflow. So I know exactly where they are. They don't mm -hmm. get lost. I know mm -hmm. what I need to do when I need to do it. Um, I, I have my Asana up. I literally have it up right now. So I know exactly what I need to do every single day. I put on my tasks and then I can mark them off as I go. But yeah, I'm very strategic about and, and intentional about where and when I need to do everything. Um, and so, yeah. is, when you talk about moving it along the, the board, is that similar mm -hmm. to Trello and that like you have cards that you're yeah. moving along a timeline? Yeah. Is that is that the way that that works? Yeah, basically just like Trello. The only reason I switched from Trello, because I used to use Trello. Okay. The only reason I switched from Trello to Asana is because in Asana, um, you can have dates and you can put it on a calendar so that it shows up mm. in Asana. I like and then that. I can just go to my calendar and do what I need to do for the day and then I'm done. That's cool. Okay. So then that would involve number one, creating the workflow associated, outlining the steps of the workflow associated with each client. And then yep. do you have a template that you're able to activate for each client then that just kind of starts that yep. workflow? Yep. I can duplicate the client or duplicate the workflow, the template, um, rename it with a client and then mm -hmm. move it along the workflow as I go. 
That's really cool. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> do you know offhand, I know you said you've tried different CRMs. I, again, I'm a bit of a workflow nerd, mm -hmm. so I've tried a lot of different task and project managers mm -hmm. over the years. Asana is pretty impressive. Uh, mm -hmm. But when it comes to photography specific CRMs, um, not to try to make it a commercial or anything, mm -hmm. but are there any particular companies that you would recommend that give similar workflow abilities in that sense? I honestly, I've tried them all and I, I don't use any, <laughs> the industry might hate me for saying this. <laughs> it, it doesn't work for me. Okay. Um, so I, I use Acuity for my scheduling software. Mm -hmm. I use HelloSign for signing contracts mm -hmm. and I use Asana for, um, my workflow. So I okay. don't honestly, and it's cheaper <laughs> to be honest. Sorry okay. to the, all the industry people. <laughs> <out> <laughs> no worries. We don't have, we're not, we're not like tied to any one particular company okay. here. And I think it's great to have exposure to different approaches mm -hmm. to workflow. There are so many great tools out there. I mean, we are super yeah. lucky as, as entrepreneurs in 2022 to exist when we do, because that the tools that are out there, one mm -hmm. that are super user-friendly too, and three, either free or extremely affordable. It's, it's kind of mind boggling, yes. really, when you think about what we have access to yeah. for relatively little money, that's super enabling if we actually use them, right? That's, that's the exactly. key. Um, man, I, maybe we can do a second episode at some point and get into yeah. what that workflow looks like in Asana, because I think that might be really helpful to some. Again, I, one, because most people don't tend toward that type of, uh, yeah. I guess, mindset. And then it's like, yeah. okay, I, I open up Asana because I, again, I'm relatively familiar with Asana. I know mm -hmm. as a, if, if I put myself in the shoes of the, the average photographer, i.e. somebody who's not particularly mm -hmm. interested in workflow, if they open up Asana, they'd be like, oh, what, mm -hmm. like, I don't even know where to start, where to go next, how to begin this whole thing. So it might be interesting to kind of explore that a little bit, a little bit more yeah, at some point. Asana, Asana is massive and mm. can be very, very overwhelming. I have a lot of my photography coaching clients that are on it and I have to, typically we take one of our coaching calls and just work through setting up Asana, literally just setting it up so that it works for them. Um, but it's my favorite. It's literally up every single day for me. Okay. Well, maybe we can come back to that at some point, but I want to jump mm -hmm. to the next point, uh, that, that third mm -hmm. step, which is to give up time wasters. And I'd love for you maybe just to uh, define what does time wasting mean mm -hmm. to you in the context of being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and a photographer, and then your stated goals here, which is to create that kind of flexibility. Yeah. And I always say, I actually heard this from Jerry Gionis because I went to like five of his, um, workshops. I even had a one-on-one -on -one workshop with him mm -hmm. in Vegas, um, like in 2018, I think. And he said to me so many times, like we are photographers, we are not retouchers. So give that up first. And that's what I did because he's my, he's my idol. So I had to, I had to do whatever he says. <laughs> um, <Of course. laughs> But I think that that's the biggest thing is like every photographer that I talk to says that nobody can do as good as they can at retouching. But that is just something that we're telling ourselves because we we don't want to give up control over our art. Mm. Um, but there are definitely retouchers out there that are better than us because that's their full time job. That's what they do. So I think that 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 is the time waster, because just think about how many hours that you spend retouching a client session or re retouching a wedding. My, my gosh, that one is the worst. Um, I photographed weddings for like two years and that was enough for me. It's a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's but why it's I started an editing company because I didn't want to keep doing it myself. <laughs> that was so much right? of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was what I gave up first. And then after that, I looked for just the things that are, I'm spending the same 
I'm spending so much time doing the same thing over and over and over again. And those were the things that I looked for ways to not have to do that over and over again, which is where scheduling, um, my scheduling software came in, making sure that I go in and actually set up every software that I'm using all the way so that I'm not constantly doing the same thing over and over and over again. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Well, and, and again, you have a clear idea of what it is that you're trying to accomplish. This is the lifestyle that mm -hmm. I want to live. In order for me to get to this place, I have to figure out the steps necessary, right? And, and in this case, as, as you've so wonderfully illustrated, mm -hmm. giving up or delegating certain things like editing that are so time consuming that in no way make your life better, make your business better, mm -hmm. enable you to achieve the goals that you've set out for yourself. Mm -hmm. If you can afford, if you're charging enough, then to have the margin to be able to delegate that out to somebody else, then it 100% makes sense to do just that. It's not about being lazy. It's about being intelligent. Back to that Tim Ferriss uh, conversation. Mm -hmm. It's about choosing how to spend your time. Instead of being dictated to, this is how you, like, we <laughs> yes. try to get out of a, a typical job, right? Where our work yeah. was dictated to us. Instead, mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to create more freedom, more flexibility. How do we go about doing that? One of the ways is to de delegate some of the most time consuming work out to another individual, to a third party company. And that's, yeah. that's the end goal. And that's one of the benefits that, that we fight for. There's, it would be, if, yeah. if it was easy for everybody to leave a quote unquote normal job or a regular job and go do their own thing, they would, it's not yes. an necessarily an easy road, but one of the ways that it enables it to be, I guess, more sustainable and ultimately enable us to have that freedom and flexibility is delegation. And it really can't be underestimated. Right, exactly. And that's where it goes back to the foundation of your business too, because I literally build that into my pricing and everything, which goes back to those very first four numbers, making sure that I'm pricing correctly and everything. Yeah, but but even that though, I just, I love that starting with the premise, which is this is what I'm trying to achieve, then it helps yeah. um, guide that conversation about pricing because pricing has been overcomplicated unnecessarily in our industry for <laughs> yes. years. For and sure. it, it's largely because we're not starting with such a simple premise, which is what am I trying to achieve? Sure. Yeah. And then let that yeah. literally guide everything. I'm, I'm a bit more on, on the, the business side versus the artist side. I can speak again, yes. having been a photographer. Um, in fact, I kind of got, I, I got a little bit bored. I wanted other challenges, which is another reason mm -hmm. why I started another brand or multiple brands since. But, <laughs> but that being said, I, I realized that if I want to, well, in the context of photography, that if I do focus, as you were talking about earlier, on the structure and the systems, it will enable me then the freedom ultimately to, mm -hmm. to not only, I can be an artist, I could, I could focus on business, I could do all these things, but it ultimately will give me that structure, the, uh, the freedom rather, yeah. to put the structure in place, gives me the freedom to, to live the life that I want to. But exactly. having a clear idea of the direction I'm going will help guide me in the decisions that I make about how I'm spending my time what genre I focus on, the clients that I'm going after, and, and certainly the way that I, that I price mm -hmm. myself. So um, I know yeah. that we're saying a lot of the same things, but I, I want to, yeah. I think it's important that we rehash these because so many photographers are not functioning based on these principles and they're missing out, I think, on, on yeah. what could be an even more enjoyable life as a, as a photography business owner. The fourth thing exactly. that you talked about was planning out a marketing strategy. Let's, let's park here for just a second. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've got a couple of questions. One, I, you talked about your high converting website. So let's maybe start yes. there. I know that's a conversation or five of them by themselves, mm -hmm. right? But can you give our listeners just a little bit of an idea of where you started in order to, to develop a website that would help you convert more effectively? So I always wanted to make sure that my website was doing the majority of the work. So I did have a 
my first website was not horrible, but it was more or less a business card of my my work. So what mm. I wanted to do was make sure that when they landed on my website, it either like um, influenced them into booking a session or um, getting on my email list. So my email list is very, very important to me because I know that if they don't book a session when they land on my website, they will eventually book a session if they get on my email list. So that was my main goals. So I think that every website should have two like those two main goals to either book a session or get on your website. Um, so that's what, it, where I, where I go with the high converting website. So to book a session or to get on the site or to get on the email list, get on the email list, email list. Okay. So, yeah, sorry. so to book a session, I mean, that would be the end goal ultimately, but then at, the, mm -hmm. at minimum, get them on an email list. Now this, e the email list mm -hmm. conversation is interesting. I understand it more from the standpoint of a company like photographers edit or mm -hmm. maybe software as a service company, but from the photography mm -hmm. side of things, I mean, I, I never, I never had a newsletter for, for my business, mm -hmm. certainly not the standard by any means, but I guess what I'm thinking about as the end consumer, what would you put in an email newsletter for the end consumer mm -hmm. of boudoir photography, for example, that would be compelling enough to want to subscribe to an email list, like on top of all the other content mm -hmm. that people are consuming on social media and on you know, various, uh, you can't say TV anymore, but I guess TV, like yeah. the various streaming platforms yeah. and e emails that they're already getting, why would they also want to get an email newsletter from a photography company? Why would that be so compelling? So I've been very focused on my email list since 2017 and every single week I make sure that I'm sending something and what I found is that most of my clients, when they're on my email list, they always say that they are so prepared for their session. So what I send is like just tips and tricks for the boudoir mm. session. And that gets them more excited and they're getting to see more of my work. They can picture themselves in front of my camera and I'm preparing them for a session. So basically what I like to send in my email list is everything that they need to know in order to actually go ahead and book a session and to actually okay. have a beautiful session. Okay. So then the, that's interesting. So what percentage would you say of the people that subscribe to your newsletter are clients already, or at least have booked a session already versus those who sign up for the, the email prior to actually booking you as a photographer? I don't know the exact percentage, but I do know that most of them sign up for the email list before they book a session because hmm. I can, I have a coupon code for signing up for the email list uh, Okay. so that they can use that coupon code in the, um, when they schedule the session. So I wish I could probably get the exact number, but I, I have never thought about it to be honest. So. Well, I, yeah, I was just curious again, from the content standpoint, um, mm -hmm. what, I guess what the the motivation would be for somebody who's not planning on a session with you to, to get a newsletter and want to consume that content. But I could also see trying to put myself in their shoes that, mm -hmm. that maybe beginning to get those emails will help soften them a little bit. They, yeah. they came to yeah. your website cause they were curious for some reason, whatever the motivation, right? right? Mm -hmm. But there, I know that there's a lot of apprehension innate to boudoir photography on the, on the mm -hmm. part of a client. So if they subscribe to your email list, it's kind of like a, like they're easing into the possibility of working with you. And by managing their expectations proactively, you're help easing their potential fears. Yep. That's exactly what I want to do. I want to make sure that I'm answering every question that they could have before they actually go ahead and book the session. Most of my clients ask the same thing on the consults. The other thing that that, that, that email list does is help me not have to do so many consult sessions, consult calls 
anymore. Like I do maybe one or two a month at the most. Um, and I'm still booking between eight to 10 sessions a month. So I don't have wow. to do near as many consults anymore. Like I used to like back in 2016, 2017, I think for every single session that actually booked in those two years, I did a one hour consult in person with them in my studio. And wow. so I was working a lot. I do think going back, I'm proud of myself for doing it. And I'm glad that I did because I know my clients so well at this point that I can come up with content for them, like in the, at the drop of a hat. But at the same time, I wasted so much time. So now I don't do that anymore because I, I don't, I don't want to put that kind of time in, but I do mm -hmm. think that it, um, it helped me set that foundation for my marketing strategy now so that I know exactly what they need to know before they book their session. Okay. That's really cool. I, and I know we could probably park there for a while too, but I do have one other question here about marketing before we, before we finish our conversation today, you talked about planning your marketing strategy a year uh, month and then week mm -hmm. in advance, or you have broken down that way. So the idea of planning something, say a year in advance, uh, again, it, to mm -hmm. most would probably be a bit, I don't know if overwhelming is the right word, but just like that they're not even close to thinking about planning they're doing mm -hmm. good if they're, if they can commit to dinner this weekend with their family, you know, right. like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's honestly, I see that so much. So how do you even begin to, I know it's a much broader conversation mm -hmm. and we're going to share your, your coaching information here at the end for those who mm -hmm. want to have that much broader conversation, but what's a great way to start in that planning process that will neighbor, enable photographers again, who don't necessarily think that far in advance mm -hmm. right now to begin to think in that way. So when I say that, what I do is I know for every single year, I'm going to have two sales for my boudoir sessions. I don't believe in flash sales or Facebook ads that have um, sales on them or whatever. What I do is two times a year, Memorial Day weekend and Black Friday, I'm, I know for a fact that I'm going to have two sales. I call them my uh, semi-annual sales. Um, so I'm going to have those two sales every single year. And that's what I talk, that's what I mean when I'm saying my year in advance. I just want to know when I'm going to have my sales. And then for the month, I just kind of plan out my social media. And then for the week, I don't, I don't have to do as much anymore. But before when I was writing my emails every week, that would have been my weekly email. Okay. Okay. And with the social media, what platform are you using to plan social media with? Uh, lighter. Lighter. Okay. How long does it take yeah. you to plan a, a month's worth of posts? When I did it, it took me like 45 minutes. Um, okay. My sister does it now. I think yes. it probably takes her two hours or so. Okay. Um, but before, I I had it down to a science so I could um, get them planned out in like 45 minutes. That's I just awesome. keep everything that I want, that I know that I have permission to share. Mm -hmm. I keep it in later so that I always know what I'm allowed to share. So it's not like I'm going to each different folder and putting a a picture mm. in. I already have them all there so yeah. that I just have to lay them out. That's interesting. So you're uploading those images as you go, like after you finish the session, you know, mm -hmm. Hey, this client said I can share these. So I'm going to go ahead yep. and put those in later. And then you're just pulling from that library actively. Exactly. Is there a particular reason that you chose later versus any of the others? Literally because of that reason, because I've been using later since 2016. And at oh, that wow. point, it was the only one that I could put everything in there at one time. And 
I am a creature of habit and I've been using it for so long that I don't want to switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, ironically, of course, we're talking to photographers today about <laughs> switching mentality, but we, I think yeah. we all do have our comfort zones that we like to remain in as long as we possibly can. Yeah. Well, yeah. on that note, I think this is a great segue into um, a soft sell of sorts. You've not asked me to do this, by the way, just to be clear for our, our audience listening. But I, 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 first of all, I have a lot of respect for what you've created for yourself, Tracy. And then secondly, I'd love your teaching style. It's very easy to follow and understand. And I'm sure um, photographers mm -hmm. can very easily learn from that style of teaching. So props to you for that, by the way. We Thank need more you. good teachers in our industry. But I'd love for you just to share briefly, if you will, about your coaching and consulting mm -hmm. services that you offer. So I have a education business where I have programs. I have one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, I have other, I like other programs coming up that'll be more like group, group coaching. Um, but right now the, the program that I have that would be the best if you want to create this kind of business is called Six Figures Simplified. Um, and honestly, DMing me on Instagram is probably the easiest way to get a hold of that program. Okay. But it is the easiest program to follow. I have a lot of um, my previous one-on-one -on -one clients who have been through it and set up their business. So it's super simplified. Um, it was under a different name when they were going through it, but it is super easy to follow and literally lays out everything step by step by step. Um, I, I share my screen as I'm teaching you how to do the thing so that you know exactly what to do through everything. Mm. But it is, it's my favorite program for sure. Okay. So uh, I've, I popped that up on screen while you were talking for anybody who's live streaming. Mm -hmm. It's Tracy Lynn, just like it sounds T R I T S and then T R A C Y L Y double N. And uh, I'll go ahead and link to your website as well. It's Tracy Lynn mm -hmm. coaching, just like it sounds. And we'll put all of this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Tracy, I really, truly appreciate it. This has been a great conversation. We could probably easily spend like another hour talking about this stuff and get into more detail. But for those of you that are listening and or watching, make sure to reach out to Tracy if you've got questions and maybe you want to set up a consult with her. You can make that happen. But yeah, thanks again, Tracy. This has been really nice. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it.